0: Welcome back to Onboard and Sharing. This is part two of a two-part series with Sharon Marseille, M- misconceptions in pregnancy and birth. I learned so much. I've heard these misconceptions from all over the place, from women and mothers and grannies and all sorts of things, and family. Uh, family. Yeah, <laughs> so it was actually so enlightening to hear. Um, a midwife's perspective on these misconceptions that we all take as gospel but there's some interesting truths behind um, the things that we think
1: and thank you for the one for all of those who actually sent in some of their misconceptions and we hope that you when you hear your question that it brings a smile to your face that sharon was able to answer enjoy the episode And someone who goes, or people go, that go through first trimesters, do most of them, uh, there's obviously a misconception that every single person will have morning sickness in their first trimester. Is that but possible? How do you even come to that conclusion?
2: How can we ever say that TV. every single person yeah, is TV, the same with TV.
1: anything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: TV tells the world that this and this and this happens, and you must expect this to happen to you. Mm. So that's the conception that almost conception we get from people. here. Yeah.
2: TV has a lot to answer for. Yeah. Yeah. TV is a terrible thing for the modern world because Mm. look what it shows us about birth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll be out shopping your waters break (laughs) and the baby falls out the next moment. It's a terrible false rubbish that they tell us. Um, Yeah, so will everybody have morning sickness? You see, Morning sickness can be a wonderful um, reassurance for a lot of mums. As long as you have morning sickness, you know you're still pregnant and the Um. baby is safe. So there's a purpose to morning sickness. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to have it. And it doesn't mean that it's a good thing for everybody. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing for everybody. There are those women who've struggled to get pregnant and those women who've had miscarriages. And as long as she knows she feels sick, then she knows her baby is safe. There are other women who never have any kind of morning sickness at all. It doesn't mean that one pregnancy is more healthy than another.
1: Mm, that's a good point. But you can
2: look to your mother. Mm. If your mother was, had morning sickness, then chances are you're going to have morning sickness. Mm. Uh, and again, it's a celebration because you know your hormones are going berserk. And that's a good thing when you're pregnant, isn't it? Mm. The
1: well, beginning of a pregnancy. A- an organ. You're creating an organ and a, a human. A person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a person. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You're building a person. No, I've just been yeah. like the, the, the womb. You're creating an organ and yes, a, yeah. there is a person inside it obviously, which is insane. It's, it's a phenomenal thing. Yeah. Um, so another misconception is dyeing yes. your hair or bathing during pregnancy is dangerous. Or bathing yeah. during pregnancy is dangerous. So these there's three questions. You know, don't that are you danger. wonder how we <laughs>
2: ever got to the twenty-first century yeah, as a as human the race, race really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's well, back then you didn't need a hair dye, whereas now people are like, oh my hair's not looking fabulous. But you know, if you
2: read historical novels, mm-hmm. things like Ken Follett, I love the Pillars of the Earth, and if you look at how when they were building the uh, the cathedrals in the sixteenth, seventeenth century, um women got pregnant then, Mm. they didn't have toilets, they didn't have mattresses, they didn't have springs on a mattress, they didn't have pillows. How did we ever manage? How were we ever comfortable? Now, the modern woman can't survive without one of those long pregnant things, you know, the belly, the knees, (laughs) You know what if what if how did we survive when we lived on horsehair mattresses or
1: or, <laughs>
0: or nothing at all just in a cave yeah. corn
2: <laughs> shucks yes in a cave exactly with our bear skin so um, yeah how did we get here what was the question <laughs>
0: bathing and dying <laughs> oh, of terrible hair.
2: right exactly so bathing look at the hot springs in Japan do they stop people getting into them when they're pregnant no the beautiful thing about bathing when you're pregnant is the design of pregnancy. Obviously, it was a man who designed a bath, because we don't go in vertically, we go in horizontally. And to that end, the pregnant belly cannot be submerged, even if you've got um, a modern bath, which is one of those colossal things that takes, you know, six days to run. (laughs) (laughs) If you have one of those then yes, the belly is submerged. But in a regular bath, the belly stays out of Mm -hmm. the bath. The reason why we advise women about bathing is because the baby lives at one degree higher temperature than the mother's temperature. So within her core, it's one degree higher. And if she's going to submerge herself into boiling hot water for a period of time, then the baby can go to abnormal temperatures, which is not healthy for them. But how clever is nature, that nature projects this belly out of the water and it's not under the water in abnormal temperatures for Mm -hmm. any period of time. So of course, women Enjoy hot baths. Yes. And usually they're directed by their men to have colder baths when they're pregnant because, you know, men can't sit in a hot bath. <laughs> um, and they're just jealous.
1: True story. We've got to have a skin. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
2: <laughs> Everywhere. So I would say, no, she doesn't have to worry mm. about getting into a bath when she's pregnant. Mm. Um, But she does need to think about bubble bath. The bubble bath is not a good thing when she's pregnant. And things like, and if I'm going to use a product name like Radox, um, you know, she's more likely to get candida or thrush from those sorts of things. So, yes, I would say enjoy your bath, light your candles, put your music on. And I would also say put a pillow or roll a towel up behind your neck And fold a a towel and put it under your bum and submerge yourself in your deliciously warm baths and thoroughly enjoy yourself and then you'll have less tension and less need of comfort food and yeah go ahead and have a bath and as far as dyeing your hair goes of course there are so many different ways of doing that. Mm. So I would, if you're going to do something flash and partial, as you can see, I don't dye my hair. <laughs> um, but if you were going to do something exorbitant, uh, then you talk to your hairdresser about it first. Mm-hmm. If she's going to strip your hair with peroxide first, then you know, she's going to talk to you about that. Um, but if you're just going to use henna, as we used to in the olden days, um, then that's just a clay that goes on your head and it's not going to have any effect at all. And mm. even if you're using just the the colors that you that shampoo in and mm. wash off, um, then that's not going to have any effect. So it's got on less chemicals, either. technically.
1: I yeah. think it's yeah. just
0: like the really harsh stuff. Yeah, right? it's I think Brazilian does a really. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, surely the Brazilian head, like, straighteners is also quite bad. Is that
0: the, the headdresses wear a mask, even? Yeah, the...
1: and you, your eyes water and everything yeah. when you go for a Brazilian wave.
2: Right, so, yeah, I would say no to them.
1: If, yeah. you, need PPE, <laughs> if you need
0: PPE to do a hairstyle, then it's the wrong hairstyle.
1: Just check the chemicals anyway. Yeah. And then should you fly? Fly your nails then. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, what see? about those stinky nail bra- bars? But there's a lady that we interviewed. Mm. She had a C-section. Or, or, well, it doesn't really matter that mm. she had a C-section, but mm. she's a nail technician. In isn't? those stinky places. And she's doing it to her That's clients. True. Yeah. What about them? Yeah. You know, what about the extraction fans? Mm. I don't
2: notice that they've got really big extraction fans, you don't hear them as you're walking past them. And the the chemicals that come out of those faces must be extremely
1: toxic. Mm. And we we worry more about that than a bath. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's worse things than just dyeing your hair. Mm. And should one fly when pregnant? Is there a specific limit that someone should not? Fly Fly in an airplane.
2: Yeah. You can fly when you're dreaming as long as you like. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Flying in an airplane, each airline has their own rules, so you would need to check first of all with the airline, and clearly if you've got a predisposition to deep vein thrombosis or any sort of clotting problems, then going up to altitude, um, the possibility of having some sort of thrombosis. Is a problem for anybody Mm -hmm. and when you're pregnant then those dangers can be increased so you need to first of all prove that you've had a healthy pregnancy and I would say um, people who have not had a miscarriage and have a healthy pregnancy um, should order (laughs) a vegetarian diet when they're on an airplane Mm -hmm. Um, and talk to the airline there was a mum uh, some years ago, who flew down to Cape Town for her holidays and had to return after 28 weeks. So 28 weeks tends to be a cutoff and it depends on the altitude, of course, that they're taking you to. Uh, and the airline refused to let her on the airplane after 28 weeks. And so she had to hire a car to come home, but he had some sort of work yeah. <laughs> arrangement. So he came back off the plane and she had to drive herself. So what is more dangerous? Driving Mm. yourself as a pregnant Mm. person all that way. Um, Mm. Or, yeah, coming on an airplane, which is like two hours up the road, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, Mm. for some altitudes, absolutely no problems. Some airlines, if you fly Virgin, then, and the baby is born on the airplane, then that child gets free flights until they're twenty-one years old. What? <laughs> Why did our parents not give birth to us on a plane? <laughs> yeah, there are some women, of course, who can be enormously pregnant and hardly show. Yeah, and so they can fib and say that they are less pregnant than they are, and so they are accepted. Whereas you know, other mums who might be less pregnant and look bigger. You yeah. know, people mm. are nervous of them because they think they're going to give birth on a plane, but it's actually um, more concerning um, your blood vessels. Any sort mm. of deep vein thrombosis um, and clotting disorders would be more of a concern I than think giving it's also birth the airlines a
0: plane. wanting not to be liable for anything
1: that happens. Yeah, in case it's an emergency or whatever. Yeah. Also, what would you put on the
2: birth certificate? Where uh, were you born? You know, in which country? Or somewhere between it. America
1: and yeah. France. Gonna <laughs> have to ask the captain. <laughs> and this one I know why this mm. this question was asked is you should not have sex during your third trimester. And I think the the, the main thing was in mm. terms of bacteria. So their concern was you shouldn't have sex during your third trimester because of the bacteria that can obviously surround the womb. But I think really? just normal, having normal I sex. I think it's
2: very important, first of all, that you interview your sexual partner and make sure that he is hygienically <laughs> clean. Um, I think it's so, because
1: of sperm, surely.
2: I think it's a. Sp- I don't know. I'm just a. No, because
1: consider. Yeah.
2: You know, people have sex in all sorts of interesting ways. Yeah without getting any sort of infection Mm. from your partner, if you have interviewed him and you have (laughs) taken care of his habits or approved of his habits, you know, he takes care of his own habits, um, then, you know, you don't worry about having sex with him when you're not pregnant. Mm. He's not going to give you some sort of additional or novel infection that he hasn't given you previous mm. to making you pregnant um so yes i would say wash <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely enjoy
2: because if we are going to be exploring oxytocin then yes you need to practice mm. you need to practice the the development of oxytocin and and getting oxytocin up to the the levels that mm. it, you need them for for labor so Unless you are a high risk mum, if you've had uh, an antepartum hemorrhage, if you've got a low lying placenta, then yes, your obstetrician will advise you because he can see where this placenta is, or that you have had a bleed in your pregnancy, um, mm. not to have preg- not to have um, sex at any time mm. in the in the pregnancy. But if you are a normal woman with your placenta in the fundus and Um, you have somebody that you approve of that you're having sex with Mm -hmm. then the vagina is not a sterile environment you know she can get an infection from her own body Mm -hmm. so you know i would say have sex
1: yeah
2: be gentle lots of foreplay Mm -hmm. lots of gentleness
1: Communication, because you you've got a lot more weight in these different things. Happening. Lots of different positions yeah. and lots of
2: orgasms, because then you're living with a peaceful, calm woman, and not mm. somebody
1: who's <laughs> a rampant lunatic. <laughs> what did they call it? Hysteria. I think back way back when they yeah. used to call it hysteria. But I also know that <clears throat> sorry that some woman <clears throat> um, that some woman actually. Um, are recommended to have sex before that will bring or bring on labor induce, yeah. yeah induce them almost so I, I don't they're quite...
2: advised to have sex yeah they to say induce them
1: yeah, to always, yeah. so <laughs> within semen yeah see there
2: is a is a prostaglandin and that is um, a hormone that ripens the cervix So we cannot say that just going to go home and have a quickie is going to put you into labour. And, of course, those women who worry that if they're going to have sex and, you know, the baby's going to come, that's also very sad because, you know, there's a lot of pleasure Mm. in sex and it's hopefully how you made the baby in the first place. (laughs) And you can't really have an orgasmic birth if you don't practice.
1: Yeah.
2: Anyway, so... Uh, semen contains prostaglandins but it's microscopic amounts it means that if that is your only means of induction then you've got to do the deed elevate the mum's legs tilt her pelvis in an upward (laughs) direction bathe the cervix in the semen leave her there for half an hour he goes off makes her something to eat brings her back the whatever And then they get back on the job, and then they have to repeat that for a sort of 24-hour period. And then by the time she's now in labor, she's got to collect him off the floor and carry him into the hospital, (laughs) because now she's in labor. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know it's it's a lot of uh, hard work yeah having one little go at it is not going to put a woman into labor and mm. it's not going to put her in danger of infection or bleeding or premature labor uh it runs the risk of her having a lot of pleasure possibly um which can't be the worst thing in the world well sometimes <laughs> can be recommended
1: well but, yeah. yeah we
2: have to be sensible about the thing
1: yeah interesting did Mm. not know that
2: um you know women put all sorts of things into their bodies apart from penises and of course you know you're going to have to be careful about the hygiene of those also mm. you know there are plenty of people having babies who don't have a man um yeah sitting on the washing machine it's you know Drive some people's boats, but it's much better to have the pleasurable kind of sex.
1: And I suppose, I think it's also maybe why vibrators were brought in as well, so that women who are alone, you know, they can... Wash it first. Please. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, only in... uh, One of these questions is, you can only have a miscarriage in your first trimester, is that... That's what one of the misconceptions are, but is that true? where do you get
2: that kind of information? Where does that come from? We're just
0: the messenger.
1: (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, you can have a miscarriage at any time. You can have an early miscarriage. You can have a late miscarriage Mm. uh, and you can have a stillborn baby. So, yeah, babies can die Mm. at any time. So people, you know, who walk the planet have mm. the same dangers.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I know one of the one of our listeners. She specifically said, "I had to ask this; otherwise, she'll yes. kill me." She knows who it is. Yeah. But she says, "When is it too late to have a baby before the choice is taken away from you?" Are you talking about age of the mother? Age, yeah. At what age <laughs> is it,
2: before it too the late? Choices
1: are taken away from. So you? it's on
0: biologically. Yeah, by biolo- like.
1: Well, we say that, and there's a 42-year-old woman that gave birth. So, <laughs> But I suppose... But when we are. We are yeah, sure. I have a picture of a 42-year-old
2: woman here. Okay, so again, what you first of all have to look at is the general health of the For woman. Mom, yeah. If you're looking at a very fit, healthy 38-year-old, 42-year-old, then we need to look at her circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, her general condition of her body in the pregnancy, and, you know... Yeah, and how she, if she's got a man, you know, how she's going to get pregnant. Um, there are plenty of young women who have far more health problems than the elderly primates. Um And of course, it's also interesting because in the world that we live in, um, standards change. Mm. In my day, when we were getting pregnant, you were an elderly primip if you were over 25 years old. Sure. And you know, we were obstetrically high risk and great concern to mm. everybody. My average mums having their first babies now are 35 years old. Um And we know that the risk of Down syndrome and other chromosomal disorders um, tends to rise after 35. So if you're looking at a 35-year-old mum having her first baby, she's um, explored from a health standard um, her general health, she's got herself into the best possible health, then between 35 and 38, it's completely normal. For mm. these mums to have their first babies, the time that we're living in.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So wow. I
2: would say always bring yourself to your optimal health first of all, and mm. um, explore your own requirements in your own life, um, and then follow your heart.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. With us, especially, we've been. We've been told a number of times that we should be very conscious as to when we're going to fall pregnant because obviously, well, we've always always been told that at 35, you've got lots more risks and you've got to do it before you're 35, all kids before you're 35. So it's just... uh,
0: Society's comments, you
1: know. Yeah. We love them.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But there are lots of doctors who would want to do an amniocentesis if you're 35 or the... You know, the, le- the, um, the incidence of Down syndrome starts to rise then. But I have all the
1: stats up there on the shelf. I will mm-hmm. show you
2: afterwards.
1: No problem. So if you were to have, so if you weren't 35 and you were going on your second child, would that mm. still be a risk? So if you turned 32, had a mm. kid and 35, would you still be a risk because it, you're of the age of 35? Or is it only first-time mums? You're higher risk. No, it's not.
2: It But if you've had a baby already, then you have a standard to prove to the world. Mm-hmm. You have given birth to a healthy individual. Um, if this is your first baby, then, of course, chromosomal slips um, start to rise, mm-hmm. as in the division of chromosomes, Um uh, it can get more complicated in an older body. So it's not that the child is a slip or the child is something wrong, you know, but your incidence of having a baby with Down syndrome. And again, you know, young people can have babies with Down syndrome. Mm. Um, but the, the cell division in an older woman is um, not as lithe. As you like as with a younger woman interesting
1: very very interesting <coughs> and then you know that's part of aging talk? isn't it yeah, you know if you on. look
2: at our skin mm. and how it ages and, so, and out that's and, about yeah. reproduction yeah isn't it yeah and reproducing any of our body cells mm. and reprodu- reproducing a whole person mm. is then more of a challenge mm. as we age make sense. So should we be making women <clears throat> pregnant when they're 52? No. You know, there's a whole drive in Italy. I don't know if you were aware, but, you know, there was a, a whole clinic in Italy that was, I think, trying to break records of older women in their 50s, in their 60s. I think mean, it was somebody in their 70s who sure. got pregnant. But then it's just experimental, isn't yeah. it? It's bit weird, really. Yeah. I
1: wonder what child you would have like what because i mean if you're 35 and you start your your chances increase of having down syndrome what happens at 75 So yeah but then
2: we also have to look at the physical side of being pregnant we have to look at the mental side of being pregnant and the emotional side of being pregnant also and if you look at why are we designed to have children when we're younger Mm. first of all because change is difficult for a lot of people and when you have been in a relationship with somebody for a long time you are comfortable in it you have methods you have habits you have a way of passing your weekend you have holidays to look forward to you have a certain standard and if then you're going to throw change into that mix we are more reluctant Mm. to manage change and we're more stubborn towards it and therefore as a result we're more inclined to get postnatal depression because of our resilience and our reluctance to accept change Um, and so we need to look at that aspect of it too. We have to look at the change that comes with sleep that when you have a small child, of course, you're going to be up every two and a half hours, every three hours for a fairly long period of time. Adaptation is difficult and broken night's sleep is difficult. And running around with a small child, you know, can be difficult. You want to be able to play football with your children mm. and to climb trees and to enjoy going to the park and You know, there's ups and downs in in all walks of life, aren't there? Mm. You might find that those women who have reached the ceiling of their profession and then want to have their children, uh, they might have more money to enjoy more choice and perhaps to take their children on international holidays. Mm. Um, But they might find it difficult to keep up with said child on the cruise running up and down the aisles or whatever the child is doing. So, yeah, I think either way, whatever we're doing when we're having
1: children, we should think about it first. Mm. That's all. I also know 28 year olds that can't keep up with their children running up and down aisles. So (laughs) totally. Yes. And then it comes down to health again. Yeah. True. Yeah. True, true.
2: Mm. Forward thinking, planning. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should have to interview our partners very clearly and very closely before we decide to have babies with them. Because so many women discover that they are then left by themselves. You wanted a baby, I gave you a baby. Now play with your baby mm-hmm. because this is tiring for me and I'm missing the golf and I'm missing the darts and you know, and then we end up being single parents anyway. Mm-hmm. So again if we look at how how easily some people relationships fall apart. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, we have
1: such interesting challenges, don't we? We have interesting yeah. people. Yes, we do.
2: <laughs> we don't we, really do. we don't put the same amount of effort into a relationship as our parents tried to or our grandparents. Our mm. grandparents married for life. Yeah. Our parents, not necessarily. Mm. But, you know, the modern generation is, well, you know, you're pissing me off, so I'll find somebody else. It was We're very quick to decide, well, you know, you're getting in my face. Yeah.
1: yeah. Age 35 on the
2: seventh divorce, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and of course, then <laughs> you know, the children have
1: to Be live the brunt with all of it, our you know. choices, don't True. they? True. And mm-hmm. have all the little things that you don't realize, the little insecurities that can't quite pick up because it happens. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't be a good parent, but sometimes it still happens anyway. And yeah.
2: either side of the spectrum, you, know, you get married young and you have babies very young and then you've got all your career challenges and you find you don't have time to spend with the child because you're now pursuing your career mm-hmm. or you pursue your career first and then you have the children and you're too old to keep up with them. You know, it's not easy either way, is it?
1: Mm-mm. Yeah.
2: But from a physical point of view, then ideally, yeah, we should be having children when we're something like uh, 21 or. So. Sure. You know. oh, it seems so weird. I didn't yeah. even yeah. know yeah, who I was. And yeah, from a physical point of yeah. view. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, your mother's goldness, Not necessarily. Very wise. It's
1: <laughs> true. <Yeah. laughs> sure, your grand had her first child at 18, didn't she? Yeah. I mean, you're. Look at America. I mean, and they're
2: eighteen; they're getting married, you know, big do's and yeah. So they're sixteen, and they want to have babies. Very
0: different, yeah. Uh, it's okay.
1: yeah. I, okay.
0: I think to wrap up on this, mm. the the last um, wonderful thing that TV has taught mm. a lot of us on TV and movies and stuff mm. is um, I'll actually quote it here: the vagina is never the same after giving birth, mm. and women can lose sensation after. I you know, love or four that. Inter- question.
2: I love that question because people (laughs) think that they're going to stay the same Mm. throughout their lives. But your body as a 25-year-old is not the same as it was when it was 18. Mm. And your body as a 35-year-old is not the same as it was when it was 18. It's not pregnancy that changes it. It's not childbirth that changes Mm. it. You can have a 35-year-old woman um, having a vaginal birth, an orgasmic experience, a beautiful intact perineum, in the water, on the floor, wherever, and she's back in the saddle, so to speak. I, in fact, had somebody who asked me to leave the room. What? (laughs) Um, because the saddle was waiting oh wow interesting wow. but yeah of course i mean my mums you bleed if you've done a raw diet you're bleeding for about five days mm. so you've been back in the saddle long before you six week check mm. um so absolutely not it's just such rubbish It's never the same your body is never the same
1: mm. you know
2: those people who have elective cesarean sections in order to save the beaver
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> are a joke because you know you can have a caesarean section and be have urinary incontinence. It's not because of pregnancy that makes you incontinent. It's uh it's life. So if you are responsible for your body and you're doing pelvic floor exercises mm. and you have a beautiful birth with a, a team that is there to support you, and that includes your oxytocin provider, um There's absolutely no reason why your body shouldn't spring back, unless, of course, it's too old to spring anywhere. But (laughs) if you're giving birth as a young person and Mm. you're still springing, then your body is designed to recover. Mm. And you might find that because you have explored oxytocin to the levels and the depths that you have now explored it, that you're more rampant than ever before. When you are breastfeeding, you're producing oxytocin by breastfeeding. Mm. It's what enables you to fall in love and to bond with that baby. And so you might find that she's more rampant when she's breastfeeding than she ever was in her life. So she could be more demanding as long as the perineal massage has been done and she has not come to harm. If she has come to harm and her perineum has been torn, and particularly... If it was because he couldn't find the time to do the perineal massage. There's going to be anger issues, isn't there? There's Mm -hmm. going to be resentment. I am torn and I had to have stitches because you were too busy Mm -hmm. to be my defender and my protector. And now I'm angry and I've got this anger that is burning within me. And then you think you're going to come here and have sex. Well, first of all, I don't have the time. And then secondly, whenever we're going to have sex, it's going to be painful and it's a constant reminder to me that you couldn't Mm -hmm. find the time for me. Well, I'm sorry, I can't find the time for you now. And that's the end of a relationship, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, of course, on one hand, you want people to travel together because they love each other and because they have a mutual respect for each other and a desire for health and for a good outcome. And if they can see that each member of this family is equally as important and has a vital role to play in the birth of this child and the upbringing of these children, then we have teamwork and we have Women who have more time, who are not exhausted because she is up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while he has reclaimed his previous life. Again, there's going to be anger Mm. issues. So if we're planning children in an ideal world, we plan them, we make them, we grow them, we birth them, we don't deliver them. We give birth to our children, we breastfeed them, we bring them to the breast for love and for nurturing and for bonding and for family growth. And then we appreciate our partner Mm. and everything that he is helping me with and everything that she is doing for our family and for nurturing our children, not her children, don't babysit your own children, you raise them, Um, then we have mutual respect. We have the opportunity. I, I encourage my families to give each other the gift of sleep. And that means on a Saturday morning, one of you has a lion. The other one takes the children out of the house. She's not there. On a Saturday morning with her eyes closed, thinking, I can hear the children and they're driving me
1: mad and that child (laughs) needs me and my baby's crying. She's not
2: having a lie in. (laughs) He must take the children out of the house. And on a Sunday, she does the same thing. Mm. She takes the children away. And he can lie in until lunchtime if he feels like it. And then they have family time when everybody is at home together. So, if you are respecting your partner and you are aware, one of you, if you have bringing in one salary while you are raising children, one of you is respected for doing that and for providing. The other one is raising the next generation. Mm. What can be more important than that? Mm teaching growing the next generation of human beings it has to be the most important job ever created Mm. and so if we have mutual respect then Mm. you're far more likely to have sex again Mm. in an enjoyable way because you still love each other but if it is only, you know, I've got five minutes, and that's what media teaches us as well, you know. Yeah, it's just, I've only got time for a quickie. You know, it's Monday, get your knickers off. It's Friday night, you know, aren't we yeah. supposed to be,
1: yeah.
2: you know. So we need to look at our relationships and our standard for respect and our, you know, how we see each other. Mm. And if we are still having passion, And making love Mm. and not having sex like they have in an American movie where it's just ripping clothes and trail of stuff everywhere. I mean, you know, the... (laughs) You (laughs) You want to be making love with your partner and teaching the children Mm. also, not, you know, come and watch, but teaching the children that this is mummy and daddy's time Mm. and, you know, the cowboy hat is on the door So, you know, I'll talk to
1: you in half an hour. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's. I think. I think one of the reasons why, like losing sensation after intercourse, I think you're right that like there's still going to be some. Four intercourse. Or four. Yeah, sorry. Four intercourse. I think it. Like you mentioned that either if you tear, there's going to be a bit of resentment, or if you're. On your own, and you didn't have a partner. Now you're entering sex, like you've got, or not entering, in, you're entering sex. <laughs> you're now, if you're alone and you haven't had a partner to help you, and now you've had a kid, and you're wanting to be intimate with someone, it comes down to communication. Mm. I mean, your hormones change. My hormones changed when I removed the marina. I was a lot drier than I was previously. I didn't know why. And the communication and trust that we have, I was able to say, I think we need to bring lube into the bedroom. And it's something, but then a isn't simple it, fix.
2: doesn't it come down to education as well? And yes. doesn't our medical staff have a responsibility to say, this could be a side mm. effect, this might happen. Yeah. You might need this for a short period of time. Yeah. It will help, but it will come back. Yeah. And if you are, again, having more foreplay, going more slowly trying different positions, Mm. then that enriches your relationship, doesn't it?
1: Yeah.
2: It doesn't because, you know, we have to look at one of the things that we cry about is lack of time. Yes. And I hear it all the time. (laughs) I don't have time for journaling. I don't have time to eat well. I don't have time to cook real food. I don't have time to discuss my views about pregnancy and Mm. about child rearing. I don't have time. I don't have time for a nap. I don't have time for a bath. You have Who's, to ask yourself, what are you doing all day?
1: Yeah. Who's in anyway. control
2: of that as well? You are. <laughs> yeah, so if we are planning and if we are seeing our partners and if we're seeing our children and if we're growing families, we have to make time, don't we? And that means we have to make time for each other. And if we are respecting the fact you know, some people only need you to be a companion, hold my hand. For that, for a woman, hold my hand is sometimes everything she needs. Mm. Look into my eyes when I talk to you, hold my hand, be with me in labor. This is the biggest event of my life. Every time you do it, whether it's your seventh baby or your first baby. It is the biggest thing you will ever do. And to have your partner involved, to be there with you. Mm -hmm. When women were interviewed about, so what did he do that was so fantastic? What was the miracle? What was the magic? What is it that I can tell all other women, this is what he must do in labor, that is the thing? The most common answer to that question was... It was nothing. He did nothing. He came with me. He sat with me. He held my hand. He had faith in me mm. when I lost faith in me.
1: Yeah.
2: When I lost strength, I took it from him. I was exhausted and he gave me his hand and I felt his strength coming through me. He, I looked into his eyes and I could see he believed in me. I wanted to run away and go home. And he believed I could just do another contraction, one more contraction, one more half an hour, one more moment, one more push, one more breath. And then we did it together. Mm -hmm. We birthed that baby, we made that baby, we birthed that baby. And so her attitude to life in general is different, isn't it? She's a glorious, most powerful goddess woman who can bring forth life into the world. So don't mess with me. I have explored oxytocin. I have been there. I can birth a baby. I can feed a baby. (laughs) And I can love my partner because I appreciate everything that he did for me. I did this. I achieved this through his love. He didn't sit in a chair and read the paper or march up and down with a cigar outside the room. Because again, we can get it wrong so often through that expectation again in modern movies,
1: yeah, make
2: me crazy. I've never <laughs> seen Grey's Anatomy just so that you know um dads, you know, if you look yeah. at the history of a man at a birth, first of all, for centuries they've never been there, and it partly it comes down to religion because you know women are these interesting creatures who do strange things and they are mysterious and you should never look at them while they're doing it and so they were never there in any culture men were totally excluded from birth and then when it came time to introduce them we had them outside the door pacing in the waiting room waiting then they got closer, then they were in the room, sitting, then they were observing. So if you look at the medical model of the labor ward, where is the modern dad? Very often, he's standing, dressed up in a silly suit, (laughs) between her legs, but her legs are in lithotomy. And that is not only is she in this position with her pelvis, but she is chained or strapped to poles to me that is sexually perverted to put a woman at a most glorious time in a position like that um, and so he's standing between her knees there is a man very often an obstetrician is a male figure who is standing between him and his most beloved and he's got a pair of scissors in his hand He has control of this. He is telling her, push, the head is arriving, the head is receding, the head is arriving, the head is receding. You know, we talk about men's trauma to birth, how the goddess is completely (laughs) destroyed, the mystery is over, um, and his attitude to sex is entirely Mm. battered because he sees this head coming and going, then somebody takes a pair of scissors, enlarges the vagina, cuts through it. He hears the sound of the scissors going through the muscle of the vagina. And then out comes this creature. Of course, there's going to be blame towards that child. Mm. I don't have the same sex life as I used to because of your arrival.
1: The hmm. damage
2: that you did to this woman's body, she doesn't have time for me anymore. We don't have the same enjoyment. We don't have the same physical pleasure because of you. Yeah. So we have to do far more planning antenatally in pregnancy. And again, I don't know how I got here. It's <laughs> to- okay do this, but I know it was a very interesting
1: question that was answering <laughs> that took me down this tangent. <laughs> but I think you answered it in terms of like... The and warden. a lot
0: of other questions we didn't ask. Absolutely. perfect.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, it's the vagina will never be the same again and the, the woman will it could will be lose. better,
2: couldn't it? Yeah. Now in her pregnancy, she's done perineal mm. massage or he's done perineal massage. They've done a whole new exploration of their sex life, of her body, of her pleasures, of her not-so-pleasures. Um, she's explored pelvic floor exercises. She knows her body far more. They've developed this relationship. And now they are different people. They're mm. mature. They have, they're have they reaching for the same thing. And their sex life could be all improved, couldn't it? Her erogenous zones are developed and again, you know, there are people who don't breastfeed because they'll tell you, well, you're never going to feel your nipples again. I mean, what a load of rubbish that is. And blah, I had somebody who didn't want his woman to breastfeed because the color of her nipples would change. But it's pregnancy that deepens the color of the areola and the nipple. And then after pregnancy, it goes back to the same color that it was originally, whatever color that might have been. <laughs> So, you know, people are interesting they are. creatures. Theory, yeah. And they have deep and manifold <laughs> desires mm. and needs and expectations. And I think that if we have the responsibility of exploring our own needs, our own expectations, and this is why I do a free consultation to start with because, you know, because of everybody's weird ideas about child rearing and pregnancy and birth and all of that um, these topics are just so important mm-hmm. and why don't we have them with our mothers mm. with our fathers you know what do men talk about at the pub seldom is pregnancy mm-hmm. but this male trauma you know very often witnessing a birth like that in a in a lithotomy position um, men talk about the trauma of birth the sound of the scissors the yeah the lack of passion but he never you know this is why they come up with these statements of you know it's like watching your favorite Mm. pub burn down you know it's uh it's a tragedy for men because i don't think they explore their expectations Mm. what do they expect to see in labor Mm. when they are expecting to participate In the birth of their child. What do they expect of themselves? What do they expect of their partner? What do they think her fears might be? What are her strengths? What is his role in his children's lives? Mm -hmm. So yes, we need to change society in that men need to not only be treated as, but to have the expectation of being full human beings. Women are expected to make the child, grow the child, birth the child, feed the child, be all things to all people. And men still in our modern society have the opportunity to visit as much as they want and to be vacant or absent in whatever way. You know, they'll come up with excuses. It's dark night in the office or it's pub night in the office or it's late night or, you know, it's whatever. COVID did us a favour with all this working from home. I mean, you know, put up the population boom <laughs> because I don't know what people were up to then working from home. Um But yeah, there was a lot of babies came out of that. And so I think that if we were to raise our boy children with expectations of becoming fathers and being equal partners in their families' lives, Mm. then all round, all these questions would be about more satisfaction, not Mm. less satisfaction. And we wouldn't be having cesarean sections to save the beaver. You know, when they did that research and they looked at... So people who don't have children, do they have a better sex life? Is their sex life changed as they grow older? Mm. What about the vagina then? Does it become dry anyway? Do they still have the same level of sexual pleasure even though they don't have any children. What about nuns and their incontinence? Do they not become incontinent if they've never had sex? Mm. They still, you can still get incontinent nuns. So we can't blame pregnancy and we can't blame vaginal birth for people's miserable sex life. Mm. We have a responsibility to keep our sex lives rich and full just as we have a responsibility to all other aspects of our relationships
1: mm. everything takes work everything is not a walk in the park all the things
2: that make sense all the things mm. that we treasure takes work, take mm. work and take time mm. and if you can't find the time make the blooming time make it sell the television yeah. give away your cell phone.
1: Yeah, so <laughs>
2: I've clients. been so
0: irritated with this thing today. It's yeah. Everybody wanting to get hold
1: of me. Yeah.
2: The wonderful thing about ESCOM, isn't it? Yeah. And load shedding is suddenly Signal's we have all sorts done. of time. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't charge the phone. And now we've
1: got time for conversation. We love load shedding. We never complain about load shedding. No. <laughs> we don't watch T V so <laughs> mm. Sharon, thank you. That was all, that was a lot of info. It was good incredible. Yeah, we loved it. Thank you. Oh. It, we, I think we actually answered answered everything. Yeah. Did we? Because um,
2: there were a lot of questions.
1: There was a, oh, there was just one, but I mean that's not a there was a natural oh, the fruits. stretch
2: marks, all of that stuff.
1: Oh, but that's that's stuff that you can put cream on, you
2: can. Yes. There are some people yeah. who have stretch marks and yeah. stretch easily and other people who don't stretch so yeah. easily. You know, you can put on weight and have stretch marks. It's not pregnancy that does it. You can lose weight and get stretch marks. Yeah. It's not pregnancy. It's the mm. type of skin that you have. Also, you can like tall people. Yeah,
0: like I've this. got stretch marks on my hips from growing very quickly. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's yeah. just the condition of your skin. Yeah, Life you know, changes your skin. It's
1: so true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow, wasn't that absolutely incredible? We learned so much just listening to that one again. Mm-hmm. It was so enlightening. Really, really enjoyed that. And just to follow on with that same thread, uh, we're actually going to be doing our own uh, Isn't That Interesting episode um, where we actually dive a little deeper into obesity, how it affects fertility, diet in general, um, as well as some of the lifestyle habits that um, also affect uh, fertility in men and women. So we thought that would be a really interesting topic to include for our next episode and uh, yeah we look forward to that one and uh
1: if you haven't already please like share or even subscribe to our podcast and the more you share the more we're able to put the tools in front of the people who need these tools for on earth for pregnancy and health and so much more so thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for listening see you next time